I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Oh, hello, it is your favorite accident-prone podcast host, Madigan, once again. Y'all, I swear, I've been accident-prone my entire life. I really wish as an adult it was less so, because now it's just embarrassing with the amount of strange ailments and injuries that I receive in my day-to-day life. It's really not great. So yesterday, the most recent accident that I I had, I was hastily washing a bread knife and I sliced my finger open with a serrated blade. It was really great. So I've cut myself doing dishes many times before. I've even had some pretty deep cuts, but this fucker would not stop bleeding. So Max had to take me to urgent care. And I ended up getting stitches for the very first time in my life. I got four stitches in my right thumb. I was more terrified of getting the stitches than anything else. I don't know why. I'm just such a baby about that. I can't watch any medical shows or see any like medical procedures being done on myself or anybody else without feeling incredibly sick to my stomach. So as soon as they like took the towel off of my finger to leave it revealed and bloody on the table. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to put my head down. And Max is no better than I am. He was like visibly freaking out more than I was. I was a little bit panicky on the inside, mostly because I was just in a lot of pain. And I started feeling kind of like lightheaded, which made me nervous because I was bleeding a lot. And um, but he was just like a nervous wreck. And I couldn't get a hold of my mom. I really just wanted her to be aware of what was going on. So he stepped out of the room to give her a call once we got into the office and just never came back. 
was like, where the fuck is he? And I opened up the door at one point while I was waiting for the doctor to come back up to give me the stitches. And I was kind of just like looking around and I was like, oh, just checking to see if I've been abandoned. And the nurses and the doctor were like, oh, no, we're right here. And I was like, no, 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 not you. I know you would never abandon me. I'm looking for my boyfriend. (laughs) And yeah, he was just too squeamish. So he stayed with my cell phone out in the waiting room while I just had to sit there waiting in agony worrying about getting these stitches that I was so nervous about. So when it finally happens, I was like, you know, I'm going to need someone's hand to hold. I always warn the doctor or nurse that I have the mouth of a sailor, especially when I'm in pain or if needles are involved, not with tattoos, more so just like if I'm getting my blood drawn or getting a shot or something like I might swear. So I, I gave them their fair warning and this amazing woman sat next to me and let me hold her hand. She had the most like delicate, beautiful, thin hand. And I was like, God, I really hope I don't just like crush her bones right now. And I did a little bit. She called me arm wrestling queen. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But then once they gave me the shot for the like numbing stuff to numb my finger down, I started feeling sick as hell. Like I got really sweaty. I felt like I was going to throw up. And these three women were like, can we get you water? We have lollipops. We have chocolate. What do you need? And I was like, this is the best situation ever. Like, I don't even need Max in here. I have these three beautiful angels taking care of me. And they were so sweet. They got me a little lollipop and some water. And the woman whose hand I was holding was like fanning my back because I was like holding my shirt up over my back because I was so sweaty. It was so embarrassing. And I was like trying to make jokes and be snarky the whole time to kind of like appear tougher than I was feeling. But, you know, they saw through me a little bit. And it was funny. Once I started feeling better, I sat up and the doctor was like, where was all the swearing I was promised? I was like, sorry, I guess I was tougher this time than usual, except for the fact that I murdered your nurse's hand. But yeah, by the time they did the stitches, I couldn't feel a damn thing. The only thing that was really weird was whenever she would like pull one of the stitches tighter, I could feel my finger moving up and down kind of like it was a puppet. And that was a super strange sensation to me. But yeah, so here I am today. I still have my gauze wrapped thumb. I'm really looking forward to taking it off and getting a Band-Aid on there because it's really, really annoying. It kind of inhibits most of what I want to do, especially because it's on my right hand. And taking notes even this morning was really fun. (laughs) I didn't realize as I typed and I would like reach my fingers for another key that that would kind of like stretch my thumb skin out and it would hurt a little bit. So took a while, but I did it. I got it done. And I do have a few news topics to discuss with you all this week. So the first topic that I wanted to cover is a continuation from last week, a bit of an update in the story. So if you'll remember last week, the representative of Montana, Zoe Zephyr, was removed from the Montana House floor. And after these events, Zoe tweeted, I'm suing. The recent actions violate my First Amendment rights, as well as the rights of my 11,000 constituents to representation. Montana State House is the people's house, not Speaker Regier's, and I'm determined to defend the right of the people to have their voices heard. This week, she lost that appeal to return to the floor. District Court Judge Mike Manahan said it was outside his authority to overrule lawmakers who voted to exclude Zephyr. He cited the importance of preserving the U.S. Constitution's separation of powers among the legislative, executive, and judicial branches. So then my question would be, who is there to protect legislatures in cases such as these? Where are they supposed to go for help if the judges can't 
overrule any of these decisions? Does it have to go to the Supreme Court? Like, what are her solutions then if you aren't the person to fix that problem? Because it seems like you were set up for her to be able to go to you. And it wasn't actually Zoe herself. It was the ACLU and a few other organizations that filed the appeal for her, the lawyers that worked for those organizations. And I feel like they know what they're talking about. So I feel like... This is all just a big cover up as to why they just don't want a trans woman representing on their floor. Zoe says that Menahan's decision was, quote, entirely wrong. She says, it's a really sad day for the country when the majority party can silence representation from the minority party whenever they take issue. I read a wonderful interview that Zoe did with Teen Vogue about what comes next for her. Maureen Turner was also interviewed, and Turner was the first openly non-binary representative for Oklahoma, who had also been censured two months ago. Zoe tells the publication, Chin up, eyes forward to what comes next. Turner said of the GOP, They are writing policy that will eradicate communities. That is what they're looking for. Authoritarian rule and eradication of life. And you're worried about folks speaking up? That's not decorum for you? Following Zoe Zephyr's censure, 52-plus LGBTQ plus legislators from 19 states sent a letter of solidarity coordinated by the State Innovation Exchange to the state house leadership of both Montana and Oklahoma to support both Zephyr and Turner. Part of that letter reads, While it may be uncomfortable for some lawmakers to be confronted with public outcry and forthright debate, that is the purpose of the legislative process and the freedom your constituents and duly elected representatives inherently have in your state capitals and every state capital in our nation. As LGBTQ plus lawmakers, we refuse to be silenced. After being removed, Zoe did her best to legislate from outside of the chamber. She chose a bench to work from on Monday morning outside of the floor. A photo was taken of her attempting to work on this bench, while three older white women also occupied the bench, laughing, meaning Zoe couldn't sit there. One of these women is the mother to House Speaker Regier, who was the person that kicked Zoe off the floor. Speaking of Matt Regier, a New York Times story came out this week which shows Regier after winning the title of Speaker last fall, where he asked other women legislators if they were afraid to share a bathroom with Zoe Zephyr. Fuck you. On May 3rd, a story came out that an unknown person attempted to send armed tactical teams to the Missoula home of Zoe and her girlfriend, Erin Reed, a prominent trans activist and journalist. This apparently is something called swatting, which I had never really heard of before. Reed said that on Tuesday morning, someone tried to send officers into her home. Thankfully, Reed had reached out to local police months ago anticipating such an event, and officials called her first and then sent a patrol car to conduct a wellness check rather than sending a heavily armed SWAT team. Swatting is defined as the action of making a prank call to emergency services in an attempt to bring about the dispatch of a large number of armed police to a particular address. It is incredibly dangerous, and at least one person had been killed in a swatting incident in 2017 when a Kansas man was killed by police in Wichita after someone called in a hoax at his address. The man responsible for the incident is serving 30 years in federal prison. Trans people are over four times more likely than cis people to experience violent victimization, including rape and sexual assault. In 2017 through 2018, transgender households had higher rates of property victimization, which is about 214.1 per 1,000 households, than cisgender households, which was about 108 per 1,000 households. 
the continual efforts by the GOP to try to remove Zoe, Marie, and other people that are trans and non-binary identifying into our legislative spaces is just another way to create more and more of a violent vitriol against this community that is already so targeted. I just don't understand why people care so much. Why on earth do you care about what another person is doing or how another person identifies or what they want to be called? Mind your own business. As my mom would say, not my circus, not my monkeys. All right, another topic of the week is, this one is a really sad one. New York City subway rider and familiar Michael Jackson street performer Jordan Neely was killed during an altercation on the subway on Monday. Neely, who is unhoused, allegedly entered a train car screaming at passengers about being hungry and thirsty and began behaving erratically. The 30-year-old Neely was then approached by a white 24-year-old man who was discovered to have had military training and was an ex-Marine who put Neely in a chokehold for four minutes. One man got the entire incident recorded on his cell phone, which has been circulating on social media. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if I'm going to. I really felt a responsibility for a long time to really watch a lot of those things, but it really does start to affect me in a really negative way and affect my sleep and my dreams and my fears. And so I need to be really, really cautious. I've learned when watching some of these. So I don't know if I am going to watch it, but I feel like with just the information I have, I'm disgusted and angry enough. And luckily, I'm a very empathetic person. And it just makes me so frustrated already just hearing this small amount about a person who obviously needs help, who was then murdered instead. In the four-minute video, you can see other passengers joining in to restrain Neely as well until he eventually goes completely limp. Medical examiner spokeswoman Julie Bolser has confirmed that Neely died from compression to his neck as a result of the chokehold. Neely had gone unconscious on the floor of the moving F subway train in Lower Manhattan, Police arrived on the scene after Neely had stopped moving and released the 24-year-old man after some initial questioning. Neely was then transported to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. On Wednesday, his death was classified as a homicide. The NYPD, as well as the Manhattan District Attorney, have said that they are investigating the death as growing outrage broke out over the city, with advocates for the unhoused coming out as well as some politicians in outrage over Neely's murder. According to The Guardian, Neely's death and the response to it threatens to become a flashpoint highlighting what some say is a semi-sanctioned vigilante response to homelessness and the mental health crisis, with others defending the actions of the Marine who had asked fellow passengers to call 911. Others, like a student named Shifa Rahman, said, This was a horrible lynching, the murder of someone needing help. He was at a point of desperation and a citizen, acting in racial bias, acted to suppress that. There was no reason that the ex-Marine needed to put Neely in a four-minute headlock. If you've got him subdued, stop. You have no right to end a life. Activist Alice O'Malley said the ex-Marine should have known how to restrain someone, if it was needed, without killing him. Alice said, He was weak. He said he hadn't eaten or had a drink. He was at the end of his wits. He had three men over him. You're telling me those three men couldn't have restrained him till the next stop? It's New York. Get off the train. 
Another New York City citizen, King James, said, This is not a one-time thing. Numerous things happen on the subway. This is where the mental health patients are. Minister Ray Tarvin said he knew Neely as a man in need. He said, He was a nice person, not aggressive or violent. Everyone who knew him knows that. He'd accept anything you had. Many of the homeless down here are sober. They're needing food or shelter or clothing, not strung out and shooting up dope. Jordan lived a truly tragic and rough life, to say the least. When he was only 14 years old, his mother, Christy, was murdered, and her body was found in a suitcase on the side of the Bronx roadway. Young Jordan Neely testified against the man who killed his mother, her boyfriend, Sean Sutherland, and helped him get sentenced to 30 years in jail. The city's financial chief, or comptroller, Brad Lander, warned that New York, quote, must not become a city where a mentally ill human being can be choked to death by a vigilante without consequence. New York's governor, Kathy Hochul, called the attack deeply disturbing. AOC called Neely's death disgusting. She tweeted, Jordan was houseless and crying for food in a time when the city is raising rents and stripping services to militarize itself. As of recording, the 24-year-old ex-Marine has not been identified or taken into custody. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Living in Los Angeles, I am no stranger to the houselessness problem in big cities. And something that I hear all the time is like, well, then why don't they just go somewhere else? And those people are clearly not educated because big cities are where all of the resources are. 
And many of the times, our city's politicians have set up certain areas within certain states or cities where homeless people are supposed to go. For example, in Los Angeles, we have something called Skid Row. It's probably one of the most famous unhoused communities in the entire world. And and unhoused people all over the country come to Skid Row looking for help and looking for resources, and they all end up just kind of like staying there and suffering together. And as the pandemic went on in Los Angeles, as well as in New York, from what I've been reading, a lot of the unhoused community has kind of trickled out into other areas, as well as numbers growing and growing and growing as inflation continues to get higher and higher, and we are not getting paid any better. And then on top of that, when you bring mental health into the situation, I empathize with this person so much. I am not an unhoused person, but I'm also not a wealthy person by any stretch. And I had to pay out of pocket for a lot of things. And mental health services is one of those. So there have been times in my life where I really felt like I could have used some extra help, but I just couldn't afford it. And for someone who is really struggling and maybe can't hold down a job because they're struggling, can't afford to get the help that they need either. Like there's there's so much gatekeeping when it comes to our mental health and mental illness recovery in this country. And it's so frustrating. It's so elitist because the only people that can truly get the help that they need are people who are wealthy enough to receive it, which is ending up being a lot of rich white people, you know? The unhoused community is not given proper resources for doctors, for medication, for treatments, for therapy. And looking at the life that Jordan Neely had, it was not easy. It sounds like he had a lot of trauma and there was a lot of things going on in his life that definitely would contribute to mental illness. On top of that, being hungry and thirsty and what that actually does to your brain, of course, this person is going to be at his wit's end sometimes. But what he needed was his city to step forward and help him in some way. And not just him in particular, but everybody who was suffering and struggling so openly Yet all we do is just put our head down and ignore it and keep walking. And I'm not saying I'm perfect either. I drive by these people all the time and I don't know what I'm supposed to do to help. And sometimes it isn't safe to go up and offer help. You know what I mean? And it puts us in a very difficult situation. But me as a citizen, I know that there is nothing truly that I can do without the help of my lawmakers who are going to start making some changes and realizing the value in these citizens and the fact that if we are able to bring them up, we are bringing everybody up. I don't understand why we have to have such a hierarchy of power just among citizens. It doesn't make any sense. We should all be there for each other. All right. Last but not least, I want to talk some shit on the Met Gala. So I made a post this week on different problematic things that Karl Lagerfeld said in his life. He was the inspiration for this year's Met Gala, pointing out why it was a bad choice for them to be celebrating him as a person. And I wanted to point out before I got into the episode that it was brought to my attention by one of my podcast idols, who is starting to become one of my internet friends, Daisy Egan. Uh, They made a post after they had reshared the quote about Karl Lagerfeld essentially saying that Germany's best invention was the Holocaust, saying that Karl Lagerfeld was actually quoting somebody else and was speaking in defense of Jews when he said that. And as someone who's always fearing being misquoted, I understand that, but also, 
Carl Lagerfeld is a piece of shit. And it wouldn't have surprised me if he had said something like that. And Daisy essentially said the same thing. Like, you see that quote amongst all the other things that he said. And you're like, yeah, I can see that. Especially with all the anti-Semitism that is going on in our country and in the world right now. I, I, I wouldn't put it past him, you know? But let's talk about some of the true reasons that he sucks and why the Met Gala sucks by association. At the time of this year's themes announcement, Max Holine and Marina Kellen, the French director of the Met, said, quote, Carl Lagerfeld was one of the most captivating, prolific, and recognizable forces in fashion and culture. Known as much for his extraordinary designs and tireless creative output as for his legendary persona. This immersive exhibition will unpack his singular artistic practice, inviting the public to experience an essential part of Lagerfeld's boundless imagination and passion for innovation. While he was an incredibly talented designer, Lagerfeld used his fame to spout many of his bigoted, racist, and misogynistic comments. Toward the end of his life in particular, he did so with reckless abandon and without apology. Carl believed that runway models should be sample-sized. He told Focus in 2009, No one wants to see curvy women. He defended fashion's obsession with thin women, calling fatness dangerous and very bad for your health. What are you, a doctor? This is one thing that, like, I could go on for hours and hours and hours when people assume your health by the way your body looks. And yes, for certain people, that can be an indicator. But at the same time, it's not your business to be that person to ask that question or to make any assumptions. And it's especially not your place to be the person to make a public comment about it. So mind your business. He famously disproved of the Me Too movement and spouted off in 2018, the year before his death. If you don't want your pants pulled about, don't become a model. Join the nunnery. There'll always be a place for you in the convent. He also said, What shocks me most in all of this are the starlets who have taken 20 years to remember what happened, not to mention the fact that there are no prosecution witnesses. And that's just unfounded. Like, clearly, he didn't do any sort of research because it's not like these people forgot or weren't remembering necessarily. They just weren't coming forward for fear of retribution. And it's really strange because I I did kind of dissociate an assault that I had had for a very short period of time, a few months, but there was a period of time where I completely blocked it out in order for me to be able to continue, one, in the relationship that I was in, but two, just to survive and to go on with life. I had to kind of block that out and pretend it didn't happen. And like I was literally in therapy for months and never mentioned it until... One day, I've mentioned this before, Cheetos were brought up and everything came spilling out, you know? So, first of all, he's not getting his facts straight by not understanding that it wasn't that these people forgot that they were attacked. It was that they were not able to come forward for fear of losing their careers, for ruining their reputation, for being attacked. In the case of Harvey Weinstein, he was ready to physically and mentally hurt somebody if they if they ever dared come forward. And the whole thing about witnesses makes absolutely no sense because to me, it would take a hundred times of private abuse for someone to have the nerve to do something publicly or something that could potentially be seen by another person. That's why I say if you see someone that's treating someone badly in front of a bunch of other people, you can only imagine how they're being treated behind closed doors. He also allegedly sent flowers to former IMF chief Dominique Strauss-Kahn after he was accused of sexual assault. He said, 
They all do it in the political world. They get horny from politics, from power. And he had unbelievable charms. He is really charming. He's fun. He's great. He's a sweet guy. As long as you're not a woman. Oh, fuck you. That makes me so mad. And though Carl was a gay man, he often said a lot of shit about the LGBTQ plus community. On gay marriage, he said, I'm against it for a very simple reason. In the 60s, they all said we had the right to the difference, a bourgeois life. For me, it's difficult to imagine. One of the papas at work and the other at home with the baby? How would that be for the baby? I don't know. I see more lesbians married with babies than I see boys married with babies. And I also believe more in the relationship between mother and child than in that between a father and child. Well, that sounds like your own issues. (laughs) And I just think that that's such an old-fashioned and gender-binary way of thinking. And it, it truly doesn't make any sense in today's world. You know, I think that, you know, even in my family, but definitely before, you know, it was always expected that the mother would be the parent and the caretaker and the lover and the father would be there to discipline and to make the money, essentially. And it sounds like, you know, Carl probably came from a house kind of like that. And he is now spewing out his insecurities about maybe not having his father love him so much. I don't know. All in all, it was a very bad idea for the Met Gala, Anna Wintour, for anyone who signed off on this, for them to decide to have Karl Lagerfeld be the inspiration. I am incredibly disheartened to see so many celebrities that I enjoy or that I've looked up to at some point go to the Met and openly celebrate Karl Lagerfeld. It's really, really upsetting. Others, you know, wore pink and hot pink because he said that he hated it. A lot of curvier women wore pink to kind of be an F you. And I guess if you're going to do it, like that's how you should. But I just feel like if you are an advocate for all of the things that he is speaking out against, you shouldn't be stepping foot in a place that's representing such a damaging human being, even after he's dead. All right. Well, that is all of the news stuff that I have for you this week. Just a reminder, if you want to join me on Patreon, more and more episodes are going to be coming out more and more frequently now that I have the time. Please go to patreon.com slash angry neighborhood feminist or go to the link in the show notes. You can join the $5 level with the angry feminist book club or the $8 level, the feminist faves level to be part of the book club and get all of these episodes ad free. At the $8 level, you will also be receiving some bonus content, and I'm thinking possibly some merch sendouts pretty soon. I don't know. I've got tons of things that I'm cooking up in my brain, and I can't wait to share all of them with you. I'm almost done constructing my episode now for my friend India Oxenberg's audiobook, Still Learning, which I will be covering this month on Patreon with two episodes. The first episode, I'm going to be covering the book. And then in the second episode, I'm going to be getting India in on another interview with me. And I would love to be able to ask her any questions that you have about the book. So go ahead and click on the link in the show notes as well to get to India's audiobook, Still Learning, to prepare for that episode and be sure to send me in any of your questions that you have for her. I think it's just going to be so much fun and I'm very excited. 
So now, lastly, my last review on Apple Podcasts was February 27th, and it is currently May 4th. I would really, 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 really love a new Apple Podcast review. I am thirsty and I am desperate. So please, if you haven't done so, please go over to your Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star review, and just a quick sentence about why you like the show. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to be super eloquent. Just be like, it's cool. The end. Anything that's going to help people actually press play for the first time and give me a listen. Also, if you listen on Spotify, feel free to rate me there. Unfortunately, there is no review system, and I really wish there was. All right, that is everything that I have for you today. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Hey everyone, I'm Noah Daniels, one of the hosts of the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast, and I want to introduce you to the perfect podcast to get you through spooky season. Find out what happens when three skeptics who want to believe in the paranormal interview people about their horrifying experiences. Again, that's the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast. Now on to the trailer. I've been warned to not tell this story, but I think because of the way it ends, it's okay to tell this story. Because some people say that with certain entities to like speak of them or talk about them or in any way portray them as powerful will attract them to other people. The creepiest thing about it to me is a lot of times it would wait for me to notice it. It would just lay its arm out like this and then I'd be like, where is it? Where is it? And then I'd see it and then it would just slither back. Make sure you hear the rest of that episode. It's called Devin's Demons. Again, that's the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast available every Monday everywhere you can download podcasts.